0: Hello, hello and welcome to a new episode of Back to Basics, Reconnecting to the Essence of You. Today is Thursday, October 31st, so I guess I have to say Happy Halloween out there. I'm sure you, most of you are trick-or-treating, so you're not listening to this. But when you do, you know that it was released on Halloween. So today marks episode 30. I keep counting because I'm still astonished that I made it so far. And believe it or not, uh, we are almost at 2,000 downloads of our podcast. And the magical thing that is happening is that I am starting to have conversations with people that um, have told me about the changes they want to make or have started to make thanks to this podcast. And for that, I thank you. I obviously cannot name names But I can tell you that uh, Maria Cenidu's episode has prompted several people that I know to revisit their life and what they're doing. And a few of them are actually considering leaving very stable jobs to pursue something that maybe they have forgotten about or they used to be excited about. And now they remember and we planted that seed. And the amazing thing is, uh, at least on those conversations, uh, my friends seem very excited about the future, even if that meant massive change in their lives. So as you may have noticed, when I decide to do a solo episode, I try to follow subjects that I think are relevant and obviously that I'm passionate about. So today, marking the last day of the month of October, it dawned on me that Uh, October was Global Diversity Awareness Month. If you didn't know, don't feel bad about it. I didn't know about it either until very recently, maybe a couple of months, because I've been getting more and more involved in diversity and inclusion conversations for work, but also because I'm passionate about it. And so with that, I wanted this episode to be a shootout to women, to women. Although I want to highlight that diversity, of course, is such a broad category and it means everybody, anybody that is in this world, every culture, every color, every gender, any thought really is diverse because we all think differently. And uh, most of the problems we have today is we don't accept that other people don't think like us or don't look like us, and we like to label and we like to judge. So, since I'm a woman, I can obviously speak to my own experience as it relates to being a woman in a male-dominated industry. As you can imagine, telecommunications has, you know, traditionally been a male industry full of engineers, uh, technical people, construction people, and really. We're not that many women there. I actually joke that when we go to the big trade shows, it's probably one of the very few places in the world where you would see the line at the male's bathroom being huge, overflowing with people. And us women going in and out so quickly of our own bathroom that, you know, it's something that we cherish and we joke about all the time. But jokes aside, the truth is it hasn't been an easy journey for me. I have been for in telecom for 22 years now. And as you know, if you have heard my podcast, I come from a very traditional family. Sicilian tradition is very male-oriented. And although I'm very lucky that my father saw through it, and I'm sure, and I hope I can have him on my podcast at some point, but I'm positive that on one end, he wanted to empower the girls in his family, me and my sister, to be executive women, to be uh, culture-sophisticated, intellectually sophisticated. But at the same time, he struggled with the fact that he came from the mentality when the wife and the woman stay at home and take care of the kids and and does a great job at it. So I guess I got really lucky that he enabled me and provided me a platform to fulfill all my wishes, but it hasn't been easy because when you are a woman in a technical industry, you have all sorts of challenges, and if that technical industry is also male-dominated. So I remember when we first thought about starting our company here back in 2000, 2001, that it was really an extension of the company my dad had founded in the late 60s, um, we met with someone here in the States, and I was quite young at at the time. I was probably 24, 23, 24, and I remember him telling my dad after the meeting, well, I can tell you, Saro, that you have gold in your hands because if you incorporate your company as a women-owned business, you really will be in a fantastic position to take advantage of a lot of work that has to go to minority companies. To be honest with you, I was offended at that comment at the time because here I am just out of Nortel and have all my experiences and my languages and all this stuff. And this guy, instead of talking about, you know, maybe some of my achievements or my potential, He just saw me as a woman, and that's all the value I was going to bring to the company is the fact that I was a woman. I doubt that he maybe even thought that I would run the company. And so back then, obviously, we took the the advice because, you know, it would be stupid not to, and we look into it. And at the time, we realized that wasn't a viable option because I had a work visa. By then, I wasn't a legal resident nor a citizen. So the women-owned certification wasn't available to anybody that wasn't on that category. So, you know, we put the matter to rest. Again, this is uh, 2000, year 2002. And so I went to start our business in the U.S., So let me tell you, one of the first things that happened to me, of course, I was coming from Nortel, which was a huge company. When you present your business card and it says Nortel, or at the time it said Nortel, people open doors for you. People are willing to talk. But here I am starting a brand new business in the U.S. where our name or our brand meant nothing. I was, again, quite young uh, and looked young, and then... I was, as many people would describe me or label me, the daughter of the owner of the business. So I didn't have an easy start, to say the least. And top it off, I'm in a male dominated industry. So, what do you do when you start a business? You start going to trade shows, you start, you know, creating relationships, networking. It was very hard. And if it wasn't for amazing men that, helped me, that protected me, that were very aware of how hard it was for me to navigate the waters of the industry and took me under their wing. As a younger sister, as they would say, I wouldn't have made it. So although this is an episode devoted to women and our challenges and, you know, the unfairness sometimes that we feel, I do want to make a very important statement here. There are men up there that are fighting the fight with us. There are men up there that recognize the inequality, that recognize that what's going on is not right, that recognize that women don't make the same amount of money than men is not okay. The fact that C-level executives in the U.S. are predominantly white men, 68%, Only 9% of men of color achieved sea level position last year. 19% are white women. And listen to this, 4% are women of color in sea level positions in the United States today. Needless to say, this is something that needs to change. And for that to happen, we need the help of men to support us and other minorities. And we need to support other minorities as well. So after giving the shootout to my fellow men, they know who they are, my mentors, I've posted on LinkedIn about who they are and gave them kudos. I want to tell you a story because sometimes I talk with people and, you know, obviously many times are men that tell me it cannot be that bad or, you know, um, kind of doubt the challenges we have. And so they asked me to give me examples and you know, there's so many. I mean, when I go to a meeting with my dad or my brother, they usually think I'm the admin. They don't even address me in the conversation. And many of those conversations are supposed to be led by me because I'm the one leading the project. But the one example and the one memory that I have and it's never going away it's something that I'm proud of and not proud of at the same time. And it's one of those stories that some people will say, why would you say that on a podcast? It's not the story you want to promote. But I will promote it because this is how things are. So again, I'm fully aware that this story, my unsettle people, it's one of those stories that uh, it's like the elephant in the, in the room. People know this happens, but they much rather not hear about it. But I can assure you, if you're in sales... And if you're a woman in a male dominated industry, you've dealt with something like this, or you've been excluded because of something like this um so i've I've had a lot of thoughts about whether or not to say it, but I will because part of my journey in this podcast, I committed to being genuine and I committed to um help making change and I believe if we don't tell these stories to the world instead of just women. Uh, chit-chatting, whispering about what happened to us, and uh, just sharing and looking for that support within the same people that know this is going on, nothing is gonna change. We have to bring awareness about something that's happening And keeping in mind also that each industry is different. Not every industry that is male-dominated has these issues. I'm sure each industry has its own issues. I can only speak for the one I've been part of for the past um, 22 years of my life and uh, the one that I've experienced uh, firsthand. And one thing I can tell you to defend some of the behaviors we see is that uh, in telecommunications, many many times the projects we negotiate are huge projects. There's not that many potential customers. My customers are the carriers and the tower code, So that makes it gives me a very you know few um, potential customers that I can deal with. So the stakes are really high. If you lose a deal, that can mean that you're done, that you're not going to have that opportunity for years, maybe. So in any case, let's go on to the story. So I'm at the trade show, one of the biggest one in telecom. It used to be New Orleans. This is 19 years ago. Um, So probably I, I was even 29. I wasn't even 30. So I was quite young still. And I'm at the show and uh, one of my best customers at the time was there was the purchasing manager for one of the big uh, infrastructure vendors. And I had a great relationship with him. And we were actually negotiating at the time a very big project. So what do you do when you're in sales and you're at a trade show? You try to entertain your customer, take him to a very nice dinner, maybe have a, a drink or so with, with them. And really you try to create a relationship where you can you know, talk about the project, learn what their needs are. And it's really that very subtle dance between, you know, personal and professional and just creating relationship in general. So we were invited to some sort of cocktail. We get there and I see one of my main competitors, the company that we competed at the time, head-to-head all the time. And of course, uh, my customer knew him. Because, of course, he was trying to sell the exact same project I was trying to sell. And, you know, the night progressed and he was trying to take attention. And I was lucky that I I, am normally, if you know me, I'm not the kind of salesperson that would pressure you or be too intense. But this guy was that kind of sales guy. So he was having a hard time getting the attention he wanted. And, you know, I could tell he was not happy that I was there. Long story short, we proceed to start by hopping because that's what people do in New Orleans, all right? So we start going to one bar, another bar, and then this guy, I guess, understood that I was not going to go away. I mean, I'm not dumb. I'm not going to just disappear and leave him with my potential customer and, you know, n- talk about that big deal that we were discussing. So this guy at some point says, oh, why don't we go to the... the, the I don't remember the n- name of the of the place... And everybody was like, uh, probably we were about nine people there, all men except me. And uh, I had convinced earlier that evening, one of my best friends who was in the industry and didn't have anything major going on that night, to tag along with me, precisely to have, you know, that kind of protection that I was talking about before. And he said, sure, I have nothing else to to do. It was great. So when we stop in front of the place that that guy had suggested, the other vendor, I realize everybody's looking at me, and I realize we are in front of a strip bar, and uh, everybody's now looking at me. And he was convinced. This guy, I could tell by his face, he was convinced that's it. She's gonna go to the hotel, and I was gonna hand him the customer on a silver plate well if you have heard this podcast long enough you know that's exactly not what I did and uh, I went in right with them for the first time in my life into a strip bar and I tried to hide my emotions but I can assure you I was pissed to be put in that position and in that situation but I was not gonna let go and surrender that easily so You know, you can imagine I paid for drinks for everybody and put on my bravest face, pretended like, you know, this is my turf. But as I said, again, uh, I was struggling inside. So we stayed or I stayed rather maybe a half an hour I eventually had to hand over the customer anyway, because I wasn't going to spend my night like that. But a few things happened. A, the customer totally realized what went on. And so the other guy lost credibility. And and even the other men that maybe were there, they realized what a lowball that had been. But no one really took stand. Like, I would have hope for some of the other guys to kind of laugh it off and say, no, are you kidding me? We, no, let's go somewhere else and just you know, use it as a joke. But when I was faced with that situation, like this is what you're going to do, I felt it within me that I was compromising part of my personal value sets and morale that I stand for, but on the other hand, as a business person, I had to do what I felt was what needed to be done. So that has been, in my career, one of those moments. Thank God I had never been put in that situation again. But I do know that you know men bond differently than women. We know that. When you mix that kind of behavior and you use it to advance your professional career based on that, that shouldn't be done. And that's the cases where other men have to stand up. And correct the situation in a way that it's also not a bothersome to have the woman in tow. Because I'm telling you, it took me a long time to, be, to go into that inner circle where I'm like a, a younger sister, as I say, and, and men feel comfortable enough to be themselves. And if there are women out there listening to this, I can assure you, these men, they just go have a drink, have a chat, it's not like they go and go wild. I mean, I, you cannot speak for everybody, but our vision as wives of what they doing in these places is totally unattached on, on with what really goes on. This is a bonding experience for them as men. I also say, and, and this is, goes the other way, um, don't be too harsh on your husbands if you know that that sometimes for work they need to go and have a drink with the customer. They are in a setting that maybe is not that professional but again, this is how uh, relationships happen. This is how bonds get established. And as long as we all know where our values are, what we stand for, what that we don't compromise our essence, which in my case, I've always lived with a very, very strict set of values. And I know that's why some people listening to this are probably shocked about me in that sense because they they would never think I would do something like this and go and and just follow what happened you know as long as you know who you are and you follow also your company's guidelines and uh, you know I work for a private company I even had to tell my dad about this which wasn't that pleasant and he was disgusted but at the same time I could tell he was proud that someone tried to put me down that way he's a sales guy too you know and And uh, so he even apologized to me, saying that he's sorry that I had to go through that. Because he understands the essence of of selling and what he has become. And that could be a whole different podcast, because he's always talking about, you know, when he started in the 60s, and how the industry was, and now the changes you see. And, and, and definitely he's not proud of, of what they, where we come in as industry. You see people lying more. You see people losing their ethics. You see people um, not being transparent. So it it's really has turned into into a much, uh, let's call it, complicated environment uh, that we have to live. However, that night was necessary in my career to establish precedent, and I do feel there was a before and after, after the night, because in this industry, everybody says it, it's like we're all first degree cousins, something happens, everybody knows, if you've been in the industry long enough, so sure enough, this story, you know, kind of filtrated, and I know I gained some respect from men after that night, but I was forced to do something that was out of my comfort zone, that I didn't like, I didn't enjoy, but you know what? They never realized that that was the case. And that's the other important and powerful advice. Sometimes I give the women I mentor, and these are the very young women that are maybe fresh out of college, and I've had one of them uh, saying, you know, I don't know why, but every time my boss gets stuff on me, I cannot stop crying. And I tell them the story, you know, about one of my bosses my first boss at Nortel, actually, and his wife once told me, you know, Letty, you are the only woman that he says never cried with him. And I say, no. What he doesn't know is I cried, but I cried inside the bathroom where no one else could see me. So if you're going to cry, if you want to be upset, do it when no one can see you. But when you go outside, When people can see you, you stay strong and you make a statement. And you teach them that they're not going to mess up with you. And that's unfortunate because sometimes I have to be different from what my nature is, which is very friendly. And I've realized if you are too friendly, they also totally mistrust you. And then you run the risk that, yes, they want to hang out with you because they enjoy your company, but when the time... To close the deal comes they're not going to want to talk to you they're going to want to talk to a man so the road hasn't been easy we've come a long way but the struggle is still a lot and I feel that I've had to course correct our journey and uh, back in 2017 actually guess what I did I followed the old man's advice from the beginning of the episode where he recommended we became a women-owned company and we became a women-owned company. Basically 15 years after he had made that suggestion and that recommendation. Mind you, I had back then and I still have mixed feelings about the whole thing. And um, the other women that I talked that had the certification A lot of them often echo the sentiment, which is, we want to be known because our companies are great, our products are amazing, we have history, we have deliver amazing quality, etc., etc., etc. We don't want to be known for being a woman-owned company. And unfortunately, that's the label people give you. They don't say This company is great, and this is what you should buy because of this, this, this. They say this is a woman-owned company. And it comes with a lot of labels, okay? But at the same time, I've realized that if we're going to be labeled no matter what, then we much rather take advantage of the platforms that have been put in place to help women grow their business. As a matter of fact, there was a report that was recently released by American Express And basically it states that women-owned business grew by 21.3% in the past five years compared to a national growth of 9% for companies overall. That's amazing. Women-owned business are producing $1.4 trillion to the U.S. economy. And 46.9% of the U.S. labor force are us, women. So the fact that there are reports, confirmed reports, that we won't achieve pay equality in the U.S. for another 108 years or so, this is crazy. This is something every individual should be passionate about. White, black, women, men. Because it's just simply unacceptable. 43% of women... Take a break from their jobs for caregiving of their family when they have a kid. Who are they having the kids with? You know, mostly the men. So men should be totally on board with providing their wives, their spouses, their better halves, you know, equal pay. You know, when you start seeing the statistics and I did a lot of research for this episode and uh, it will be in my show notes all the reports that I found that are interesting and relevant to what we are discussing. But it's really alarming and I have become more passionate with time because now in my job, we're trying to create a larger workforce for telecommunications and obviously women are a great, segment to tap into so I have taken an interest more passionate interest besides the obvious that I'm a woman but you know in reading the research when I see or when I learned that the United States of America is number 49 yeah you heard right 49 in the world ranks on gender equality Is just simply shocking. Guess where's Canada? The other big country you know in North America. It's number 16, guys. 16. You know who number one is? Iceland. Norway, number two. Finland, number three. I mean, all the Nordics are right up there, you know, in the ranks. And then... If you go, which is, this is crazy because, you know, I'm Italian, you know, by blood. When I say, when I see Italy and I share with you how my dad is, and this makes total sense. Italy is number 82. Yes, 82. That explains a lot of my upbringings. And then I was born and raised in Venezuela, which we know right now is not in the best condition. And even then, Venezuela ranks number 60. So, Believe it or not, just 11 spots below the United States of America. So we absolutely have to fix this. We absolutely have to gain awareness about the problem and help the gap to be closed. It's not easy, but we all have a range of influence. For instance, you know, now that you know about the women's certification, check it out. Well, one of the certifications is the WeBank certification. And one of their big branding that they're doing lately is to buy women-owned. And I understand, you know, you have to buy what you like. But if you don't have a particular preference on something, just support women-owned business at least for a while until they get up and running. And then... When people ask me so what we should do I also say you know as women executives we can support other women. I started mentoring a couple of years ago and I'm very happy by doing it. Passing on some of the wisdom and knowledge we've accumulated over the years and just be a support system for each other because I have also been in those situations when these the women in the room the ones that become a problem. Where is the women in the room the one that doesn't support other women? We know this. We are competitive in nature and we compete not only at the professional level, but we compete about how we look, what we wear, and, and a full different dimension of men. And in that sense, I do agree that sometimes dealing with women is harder. And this is part of the problem that we need to fix. So... My last story for this episode then I wanted to be around what has changed. I share with you that initially didn't want the certification. Now I do have the women-owned certification. What has changed? Well, for starters, I've become more involved in all the women-owned events. So I've been networking and the power of people that understand your challenges, other women that have gone and navigated through the same exact issue that you have is powerful. I imagine that when men, you know, go golfing and you know what it's called, the boys club, they've enjoyed this for a long time where they have certain camaraderie and they um, help each other and push each other. We haven't enjoyed that as women. We haven't really been... Uh, known for helping each other as I was saying before so I definitely have enjoyed being part of that and I've met many interesting women some of whom have been on this podcast then on the business side once you have the certification what happens is any company that endorses the certification and and, I mean I mean I'm talking that companies like BMW, Disney, AT&T and t T-Mobile in my industry, Johnson & Johnson, Procter & Gamble. I mean, really, most of the big corporate America companies have embraced women's certification. And what happens is once you have it, you deal with a specific sourcing channel. You don't go to the sourcing that everybody goes. You go to the diversity sourcing. And so you, for a change, get a one-on-one interaction with someone that knows that you are a diverse company and that will take you through a different vendor registration process than just uh, a regular company. So if you're a women-owned company, I encourage you to look into it. It will be in my show notes. This is something you definitely want to do. And the worst that can happen is that you know you never use it or you don't enforce it, but... I'll tell you, it's not hard to get. If you're running a viable business, if you're really the one running the operations, because don't get this wrong, guys. I know when I read comments about the women's certification, a lot of people say, oh, get your wife, and they joke about it. And this is another of the examples on how sometimes um, we get bullied. It's, uh, oh, this is a woman-owned company who owns it, your husband, and you are just in the papers. But if that's not your case, then go for it and I don't think you will regret it. And so I've been very pleased with the journey so far. I'm very happy of being in a path where women are being empowered, women are being given a voice. I think this is our time. I am finding myself more and more involved and I definitely want the movement, and in a, in a way so and I didn't even want to address the Me Too movement, I mean, that would be not one podcast, a series of podcasts, and I believe that if you're a woman in a male-dominated industry, we might have been, like I have been, very lucky never to say, oh, this was a sexual harassment, but I can definitely tell you stories that happened to me where they're in a gray area, and uh, I was very lucky that I was Uh, able to remove myself from what could have been a very bad situation, but also where I was savvy enough. Thank God for my Sicilian family where I never promoted anything that could be taken out of context and always, always made a point of taking that, let's call it bodyguard figure or good friends figure where I would feel safe enough to allow certain things like the story that I told you at the beginning of the podcast with my customer. So all I can say, this is a ride. I'm enjoying the ride. It's a challenge what we have. But I think that our time is now and we have to take advantage of it. And we have to make our voices heard and also advocate for other women in our environment So if you can mentor both professionally or or personally another woman around you, just do it, embrace her, and help her get to whatever her next level is. So I hope that I didn't lose half the men that were listening to us down this episode. I hope you recognize that as fathers, as brothers, as husbands, as sons, you also have a very unique opportunity to lift the women in your life, to empower them, and to make sure they're given the place they deserve. And with that, I want to thank you. Thank you for your support. Thank you for listening to me every time I get the stats on where the podcast is being heard. And how many people are listening, I honestly get shocked by it. So that's what keeps me moving and why I keep doing it. You can find the time to review the podcast if you have liked it and to share it with your friends and to spread the word because that's the only way can reach more people is by our audience helping spread the word. So happy Halloween again. I wish everybody a happy weekend and until next time, bye-bye.